Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 175. Uh, we got a return guest here, and Bate might be running a little late. So let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. I'm Sarizel. Um, I, I play a lot of uh, Blizzard games, um, and, and that's, that's most of what I do when I play games. All right, Jay? Yep, my name's Jay, and uh, I'm also one of the purveyors of the Biomass Media Empire. And uh, I do play some games occasionally, uh, m more than quite a bit here recently. Uh, and for tonight, for episode 175, uh, I think probably the best throwback and I can put on that one is uh, Gibson put out a guitar for a long time called the uh, ES-175. Super, super famous jazz jazz guitar. It's been around for a long time. My dad used to play it. Uh, I think they've... they maybe stopped putting it out this year if i'm not mistaken but it's been around for almost 50 years pretty much unchanged so the es 175 from gibson highly recommended very cool man all right livy you're up hello i'm livy um kind of popping in to say hi after a long time um i play games we right now kind of do the desk blogging that's pretty much it all right sounds good and i'm pokey draven i help host the show here and i do our dungeon crawl series with livy uh twice a week so Good stuff. Let's get started, though. We got some news going on with Star Trek Discovery. Zell, you are our resident OCD Trekkie, so what's going on with that? Um, it actually it just started a few minutes ago, and I got to catch about five minutes of it before oh. we started our show. Um, it's okay. I, you know, the the whole thing with it, of course, is after the first episode, you have to watch it on the streaming service, anyways. So I'm just gonna go and get the streaming service and watch it later. Um. But, uh, so what I've got in the notes for us is the, uh, the main title, which is, uh, the, the thing that I saw earlier when I was putting things on the notes. Um, and it's kind of a, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like a, it shows like disassembly of a couple of the like classic Star Trek weapons and equipment and stuff. Um, and it's kind of got like a, it, it's got like a tinge of the classic star trek theme and then it's got something a little newer it honestly kind of reminded me of the west world intro interesting yeah no i'll buy that i think it even did they, did they have the vitruvian man on it they did not they did have like the someone's face though like yeah, the bottom it was of it, it was, yes it was of, in the style yeah well, that sounds pretty good and so how much does that streaming service cost if you do want to watch this one arm leg firstborn no it's it's cheaper than netflix but it has commercials so you know sounds like a hulu style thing okay all right sounds pretty good you'll have to give us your thoughts on that guys once you uh pick it up i probably will not be watching but as zell said he will definitely hop on that and probably fanboy about it so it'll be good to get a review from that in a few weeks all right so we also have a new trailer for the punisher which is coming out on netflix from the looks of it uh I'm not much of a comic book junkie. I know a few guys, a few of you here are. Um, so what are your thoughts on this one? It's uh, it's it's pretty good. I mean, generally, like if you're talking about the one they just released, it's it's pretty solid. It's definitely, they're, they're going for the dark, grim, and gritty uh, Punisher look, which they, they've pretty pretty well gotten into. I think John Barenthal is pretty solid as the Punisher, to be honest with you. He's, he's good. He's not exactly a... Um, kind of like panel panel for panel uh pull right out of the comic books but he's he's pretty close definitely a really good retelling of the punisher uh very much in light with how they've done jessica jones and luke cage iron fist he's still a schmo but uh it, it's it's pretty solid i think I, i'm actually kind of e anxious to see or not anxious but kind of intrigued to see how that how well they do if they bring in some, some more of the uh comic book elements of the punisher into this run 
Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know much about it, but uh, the trailer looked, looked pretty good, so it'll be good to kind of see how that one turns out. I mean, we've got a lot of these, a lot of superhero ones popping up on all sorts of fronts, so, you know, this is a pretty classic, iconic character, and it'll be good to see how they handle this rendition. I know they've done quite a few of these in the past, so it'll be good to see uh, how they do this one. It kind of, uh, I mean, with the Metallica, I'm serious, Metallica. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> if you take away... Um, or if you add the dog, you have uh, you have a uh, John Wick. <laughs> that that is very true. I I, I did think that actually. Um, they picked that. They, did you notice the song they picked that one? That was uh, that was yes. pretty interesting. Yeah. So I like that. The story behind that song uh, that's actually based on a movie. Um, I've actually seen it a long time ago. It's it's about a World War One veteran. That's it's basically he loses he loses his arms and legs and he's he's blind and deaf. And he's alive. He wants to. He desperately wants to die, but he's like trapped in his own body. This is like a very old movie, too, by the way. So mm-hmm. they they saw this movie you know, years ago when one came out, and uh, and they wrote the song literally about that. And it talks a lot. And they've tried to explore a lot of you know, kind of the background of Frank Castle as you know this sort of tortured military vet. You know, PTSD slash family gets killed. The whole thing. Uh, it's it's very heavy handed. I, I would offer that it's um, it, it goes great in the trailer hands down, but I'm getting a little bit tired of the uh, sort of like PTSD makes everybody that's in the military go crazy and kill people thing. It's I, I'm a little tired of that, that one, but for a trailer looked sounded great. Right. And I, I don't, you know, and sadly someone watching and I don't know if, because we would know the meaning each generation it dilutes what it actually is unfortunately <laughs> yeah, that's probably true but uh, overall i think the trailer is is solid it definitely goes very much in line with the style that they've had with the other other kind of offerings coming out of netflix and and broadly their quality is is pretty solid it, it's you know i think on average it's hitting about a b plus pretty consistently which is actually you know pretty good considering that they've had a very wide variety of source material but i think like i said i think barenthal's pretty solid as the punisher uh and i'm interested to see what what directions they take because really if you if i think this is what is going to be a it's like a seven or a 12 ep- episode season they're putting out for him anybody know Ooh, i'm not sure on that off the check i mean it. even if it's seven there's only like you got to have something more than him just like getting punched in the face and shooting people for seven episodes. Like that works if you're going to inject him into like Daredevil or inject him into one of these other series. That that kind of works out. But if you're going to actually have him with his own series, there's got to be a lot of there's got to be some other things going on around him. That's kind of that's kind of what I was saying. Like there's a lot of that in the comics. There it tells. It, it has to go in, it goes into more because even you know in the comics marvel figured out i can only have this guy on the comic book pages bla- blazing away with people with an assault rifle so for so long otherwise if for no other reason it becomes incredibly repetitive uh so and there's only so many ways you can do that so they, they injected a lot of different things into the into the comics that i thought were pretty pretty solid so if they can do that in the in the tv series i think that'll be good yeah, it looks like it's a full 13 episodes, so pretty lengthy. Whew. Yeah. And they're still doing the crossover with the Defenders, aren't they? I, I think so, yeah. Should be interesting. All right, so moving along here to another gun-toting hero, we've got uh, a new movie, 
Tomb Raider. Uh, been a while since they've done one of these, uh, but it's not going to be uh, Angelina Jolie this time. It's actually going to be... Uh, uh, let me see if I can not butcher her name here. So it's uh, Alicia Vikander is Laura Croft. A um, bit younger. I think she's around 28 or so. Um, definitely not the Angelina Jolie-style physique. Um, so <laughs> uh, it looks interesting. She looks like kind of almost like a younger... Uh, kind of more in line with the most recent video games where it's kind of like a young Laura Croft and she's kind of filling into the role rather than being a more experienced uh, Tomb Raider after you know many years of doing it. So it looks, again, kind of like a bit like an origin story and uh, should be a, it's a movie that's coming out, so it should be interesting. What do you guys think of that one? Yeah. Eh. I, I know Zell's kind of our Tomb Raider fan I, of the I'm, games, I'm but he never played. It. He never played the game. Well, I, I played the <laughs> I played the first one. It's the second one that I bought and then I haven't haven't actually gotten time never to play it yet. after um, complaining about it being exclusive for so long. Yes. Um. Well, see, that's the thing. Had it not been exclusive when I wanted to play it, I would have played it. But you know, um. It, so the the thing that is, it definitely looks like it. It's taken a lot of like direct scenes from the first game. For, of the the new series so um it seems like it's going very very long in plot with that it it is a very kind of like uncharted i thought it was a very cinematically done um you know game i you know we'll see how it goes to a movie i i never saw assassin's creed last year so i didn't i, I heard mediocre reviews um but you know the the industry will continue to try to make video games into movies until one doesn't suck yeah no we'll we'll have to see uh it's it's one, like, like you said video game movie adaptations have always been really iffy um i can't think of any that were you know hit it out of the park amazing they're always kind of a they were terrible too eh, it was all right you know so you know we'll, we'll we'll have to see how that one does you know I, I would love to start seeing someone figure out the formula of what you got to do to to adapt a video game properly into the cinema but uh so far hasn't done so well unfortunately well, I think part of the problem is, it, I mean, a lot of it depends on the property because you, if you just wanted to like make a movie on video game, it, it is going to be like you generally need to start with, can you make a good movie? Period. Like, is it a fantasy, science fiction, action? What you know, what whatever the genre is, they're all wildly different kinds of movies. Games tend to be, you know, they're very different styles, but you know, you're playing through a game, you know, as you go through it, but. I think the making the movie piece one, I think people are actually taking it more seriously now because it took a while to get comic book movies. Right. And now that's kind of what, I mean, that's, that's a thing, you know, that's what we do now. Is we so, make comic right. Book movies. So the, I, I, I suspect we're kind of in that mode or, or we're getting into that mode now where you could probably make some of these. And then, I mean, the reality is it also kind of depends on like how, like how close do you want to adapt it? You know, or how well do you want to, do you want to sink into some of these things? Because there are some properties, some some com or got uh, game properties that are really really deep and have a lot to work with, uh, in similar style to some of the comic books. Uh, so I, I I think I think it is very possible to make one, but you've got to make a you got to be serious about making a good movie. Start start with that. That's your price of entry to being a good movie, uh, and then you got to pick something that you know a style that kind of can work and can sort of grab people. I think you could probably, um, I mean, if you consider it, Game of Thrones, not that far off from being like a fucking Skyrim, you know, miniseries. Uh, I mean, there's things you could you could manipulate in something like that uh, that would turn out that kind of product. I, the ones that I always thought would work out really well, I thought some of Bioshock's stuff could have been phenomenal. Uh, 
you know, if they were, if they were sort of done right. Hell, we, we talk about having an Overwatch animated movie. You could do that. That could be done probably today with the current voice actors really well. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I would offer that after watching, after going through Destiny 2, uh, you could probably sell me on a, a you know, a 90-minute Destiny movie uh, utilizing all the same voice actors. I, I don't care whether it's live action or not either. Uh, I, I think there's there's enough out there that have become very cinematic in their nature. Again, it's, do you want to just lift that directly into the screen or are you going to take it in a whole different direction? That's, I think that's the trick. Yeah. And I think you run into issues when they try to recreate the story of the game, because you've got very cinematic experiences with games and most games that have deep storylines, the kind of games you'd actually want to make a, a movie about. You could have, you know, if you just pile the cutscenes together, six hours of cutscenes of just story, if you cut the gameplay out, that oh, yeah. does not adapt well into a film because you're going to cut two thirds of it out. Um, so I, I think that, you know, you mentioned a few uh, in there, um, but like what Assassin's Creed did where they're like, we're not going to really follow the story of the original Assassin's Creed, but we're just going to make a movie set in that universe. That's much more feasible, I think, because you can just build a new story around uh, an existing kind of set of ideas and, and themes and stuff. Um, you got to do it well. You got to still make a good movie, which is, I think, kind of where Assassin's Creed fell a little short. But stuff like that, like you, something set in the Elder Scrolls world of Skyrim or or, or whatever. Or um, Overwatch is another one that it's Overwatch has no story to speak of, really. It has backstories, but you they've developed kind of this universe, this world that they could probably just plop something in there, right? Its own self-contained story and sell it because it would match up with everything, but it's not limited to trying to replicate what has been done in the game. Cause it's just format wise, just not feasible. So I think they'll get it eventually. Um, it helps that some of these franchises are massive. Like destiny is huge. Overwatch is beyond huge. You know, that that's really good contender for that sort of thing. Um, particularly since, um, uh, Blizzard puts out those shorts, which are just like top tier, you know, just freebie little shorts. They're just amazingly well done. And Blizzard has been known for for doing fantastic cutscenes and in, in movies and stuff like that. I mean, uh, the War, Warcraft film I didn't see. Um, I heard it was okay, but like in terms of visuals and, and how they handled everything, very well done. So, you know, I think they'll get there. It's just like you said, you got to make a good movie first before you can have a good movie at the end. Alrighty, so moving along to some more of the gaming news here. Uh, ton of stuff about Fortnite uh, this week. A lot of really oh weird stuff going on. Yeah, um, Fortnite's a game that, that Livy and I have actually been playing off and on um, as we kind of go through the early access period, if you, you want to call it early access. But uh, good game, but they have had some, some interesting uh, complications this week. So first of all, uh, we've talked a bit about this in the past in the show several times, particularly over the last few weeks, about uh, platform crossplay, so playing on PC, PS4, and Xbox, kind of in a shared shard, you know, sort of deal where everyone's playing together in the same world. You don't have to only play with people that are on your platform. Um, and it's a thing that a lot of the community uh, in gaming as a whole has kind of been pushing for. And you've had a lot of kind of resistance, uh, particularly from Sony lately, um, in not allowing that. I know Minecraft is basically cross-play on literally every platform except for PS4 and PS3, because uh, Sony won't um, won't allow it to be linked in with you know Xbox and PC and Nintendo and all that. So that's been a problem. Um, but people want it. And in Fortnite this last week, there was a quote-unquote configuration glitch which players realized that they were playing on ps4 and were playing with people on xbox 
so the crossplay was working. Like it was actually in the game and working. Um, and then Epic Games, who makes Fortnite, stepped in and went, "Oh, we had a configuration glitch, and we fixed it." So fixing the glitch removed a feature, basically. Um, and people were a little upset by this. Like it was that easy. Like you had it set up already, and it just it, it, what you know. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> interesting stuff. Um, some interesting theories running around on the internet. One that I kind of kind of latched on to is that I'm, I'm almost curious if Epic always had this ready to go and it was separate under um, under order from Sony or whatever. And then they just kind of accidentally um, turned it off so you could cross-play and then, oh, oh, no, we're terribly sorry. We, we fixed it. It's not a problem. But now the players are going like, what the fuck? Why won't you do it? And it's almost like if Epic was kind of pushing for if we can get the players to pressure Sony or whoever is, is being problematic into actually just letting us do this. You, you um, think it was kind of like, oh no, I don't know how this Deadpool test footage ended up on the internet? Absolutely like that. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, in their best interest. I mean, we got it in like, there. <laughs> there's, there's probably quite a few games that are that have already got it baked in and it would probably take not much for them to go, oh, okay, yeah, we can all play together. That's cool. I, I mean, I yep. Any of these, any 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 game that it's stock and trade is MMO, whatever you know. If it if you cater to a ton of online players, you've got ways to do this because at the at the end of the day, it's it's all ones and zeros moving, and you just got to filter it the right way and let you know open the right gates up and uh, you know good things happen, so to speak. I mean, this I'll I'll give you another throwback. You know, we talk about uh, the old CCP game, Dust Five One Four. Know, because that's that's actually the game that kind of brought most of us together years ago there was uh we railed on the 16 v 16 you know kind of pvp model they had but it was it was touted as being you know like up to you know 64 players per side at some point and all this all this crap but there's i, I remember there's about a 12 hour period one night that like the 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 forums exploded and people were like piling on to the um you know, onto the game where you could actually, it, it got it up to 32 by 32 by 32 because of a glitch game ran fine for me. Like it, it like no lag, no, no problems. It was great. It, it oh, was yeah. fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like it's, it, it, that definitely happened. I remember that it was, uh, I mean, every once in a while you get like one or two extra in there, but there was a while where you could definitely exceed well beyond the limits of what the game supposedly could only handle. And, and yeah, it worked, it worked as well as dust worked. I mean, I didn't see a noticeable drop in performance. So it's like, yeah, that would, that would probably work. And I think dust's website for, I think until the day it was shut down said it was a like 32 v 32 game, you know, that only played 16 v 16, but the website said, Oh yeah, it totally can do this. Um, and the game totally could. I mean, uh, in terms of crossplay, I know Final Fantasy fourteen has crossplay between PS4 and PC, and they've said, listen, we will do an Xbox version. It would be easy, but we got to allow the crossplay to happen. And, and yeah. Microsoft has kind of been iffy about it, but they're like, no, seriously, it would be really easy to do that. Just port it and just we'd be done. Um, so it's it's possible. And I, I and kind of like kind of like Zell said, I think that for but this one, it's basically kind of like that oh no leaked test footage of Deadpool. Uh, I hope no one sees it and loves it and pressures the studio into making it happen because people want this. And I think that you know Epic is potentially kind of making a little sleight of hand to kind of force force Sony to react and go okay fine you know yeah, we'll I, let you I, do it. I mean I'm I'm and particularly when you get into certain games that uh, you, 
if it's you know something like PUBG or or Fortnite stuff like this, because and we're going to talk, talk about this in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, you know, if it's like you know Twitch-based shooters, there's always you know going to be these arguments about you know you need to have the most cleanest, finest line in there between all the players to make everything even. This, that, and the other. I'm thinking that you know, like we've talked, you know, like Minecraft. Everybody, everybody in the world plays on Minecraft, and you can play that thing on a potato. Uh, you know, World of Tanks is actually one that I think of, you know, I, I, you know, that's one of my go-to games I play around with a lot. You could play that on anything because it's, it's a slower moving game. Lag is not really a, that's not a problem on that game. Uh, it's much more deliberate in its pacing just by the nature of the game. It wouldn't matter if you're on Xbox, PlayStation, or PC. I mean, you might get a little bit more finer aiming controls. Uh, I mean, the, the graphic, the graphical display is actually a little bit different on the PC model, but like between the consoles, absolutely wouldn't make a difference. Would, would not, would not even feel a thing. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, I can understand some concern, um, when you've got competitive modes, because there is a bit of a difference between, uh, controller and mouse and keyboard. I, I get the concern there, but for games that are like PVE focused, where it's just purely cooperative, who gives a shit, you know, like yeah. it, it, who, who cares? Like if one guy is at a disadvantage, it doesn't matter. You know, it, you'll, you'll work around it because you're just, you're more concerned about playing with others than you are, you know, making sure you have like super optimal top tier aim or whatever. And in game in uh, world of tanks, like you said, it, it's very much, it's much slower paced and how you aim you're, you're more limited by the game than you are by the actual input. So that would actually translate pretty well as well. Um, would love to see that. That'd be really cool. So yeah, crossplay is completely and absolutely possible in Fortnite. Uh, it's literally a switch that Epic has to flip, and it will work. So if you're a player of Fortnite and would like crossplay, you could probably you know raise a little hell about it and, and see if we can perhaps push these console developers just kind of set aside their differences and just let it happen because developers are more than willing to to make it happen. It's just they've got to get permission to make it happen. So. There's that. But also in Fortnite news, um, so we talked a bit about the Battle Royale game mode. I haven't had a chance to give it a shot yet, but um, this is basically kind of a PUBG-style game mode where um, it's PvP, there's no PvE enemies, and it's in the Fortnite system, and they basically drop 100 guys onto a big giant map, and they basically duke it out until one guy's left standing. Um, and there's some nuances, like the playing field gets smaller and um, they kind of force you to get close to each other as you fight. And then ultimately the last one standing is the winner. Um, but it also has all of Fortnite's uh, construction elements in it. So you can craft walls and traps and, and, you know, build little forts and set up traps to try to lure people into. So it's got that element to it. Um, but overall, the core gameplay loop is, is quite similar to PUBG where like it's a hundred man free for all. And, uh, this week, someone over at uh, Bluehole, which is the developer for PUBG, said, yeah, we're actually exploring potential legal action against Epic um, because they have released this game mode that is very, very similar to our PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. And Epic even says in the dev blog where they talk about the game mode being announced, they went, yeah, we... We love PUBG, games like that, and we wanted to deliver a sort of experience to Fortnite that was similar to PUBG. So, you know, at first we were all kind of thinking that, okay, Bluehole is upset that they've copied or at least made something that's very, very similar to uh, uh, to PUBG. And, you know, obviously PUBG is very popular right now. And then they're, you know, they're competing with us and it's, it's copyright infringement, which is, is really, really shaky because 
uh, PUBG is based off of you know other games that are in movies that are a similar theme. It isn't the first one to do it, so it's hardly an original idea. It's just the first one to explode this big. Well, a uh, representative from Bluehole uh, clarified, saying that it's not the idea we're upset about, it's Epic itself. And what they're getting at is that, as you probably know, Epic is the company that makes the Unreal 4 engine. It's a free, open-source engine. Um, you can download it. Anyone can download it for free. They can use it. And if you produce a game with it and you start making money with the Unreal 4 engine, the game you made on the engine, you have to pay uh, royalties per sale of the game to Epic. And that's how they make money off of the engine. And this is widely hmm. used by a lot of developers. Square Enix is releasing two massively large titles, Kingdom Hearts 3 and the Final Fantasy VII Remake, using... Um, the Unreal 4 engine, it's becoming very prevalent in the industry to just use a pre-made engine because it's much cheaper and it's less risk for the company. So if your game is successful, you're obviously going to be spending a lot of money and royalties to Epic Games. Well, PUBG is made with Unreal 4. So what's happened is that Bluehole picked up Unreal 4 and they made this very successful game, PUBG, with the Unreal 4 engine, made a lot of money, paid a lot of money in royalties to Epic, and then Epic turns around and makes a game mode for one of their games, which very similar to PUBG. So I kind of want to open up the floor and get your guys' thoughts on maybe the ethics of this, what do you think, that sort of thing. So I'm just kind of open it up. Mm. Uh, is, it is, I would, the first thing I would say is it is not as cut and dried as 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 one might think, like that was a very good explanation, by the way. Of and really, I went back and read that article where the guy kind of clarified it. That's that is an interesting take on it in terms of like how close can you get to mimicking somebody's game because before it becomes a, an actual legal problem. I, I'm trying to think of some other something in the entertainment business that unless it's like an actual licensed or trademarked activity. That, I mean, you could kind of, I mean, there's any number of different like knockoffs of something, but you can't quite use the exact language or words. If I'm not mistaken, I thought one of the guys uh, from was it Blue Hole was talking about that it was part of it was how they referenced PUBG that could lead you to believe that it was somehow officially linked. Uh, if I'm, if at least that, that's, that's how I understood his their part of their interpretation that's that that was probably somewhat innocuous but and, and probably not meant in that way but um you're giving them the benefit of the doubt on that one but i, I could see where that would create some legal concerns from that angle other than that like i mean it, that's sort of like hey they built this really badass first person shooter game we would like to build a first person shooter game too um uh, you know that and from there you can go into a lot of different directions of it's still just it's a game in a certain type of genre i mean how many how many different pvp fps games are there that have something where you have to go to stand on a spot to quote unquote control or capture an area and you wait for a little timer and then it's yours and then you walk off then the next guy time somebody comes in there they can do the same thing or, or capture the flag or whatever so i'm 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 not real sure i don't think that angle works but i think if if you go into the, um, the sort of the angle of it, they, we already pay them royalty and then they wanted to capitalize further on our intellectual property that I, I, you might be able to make an argument there, but I'm not sure how that works in the world of video game, you know, legal fencing, if, if, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think they were kind of, they had a little sting that they said, hey, we were inspired by that game. Ah, okay. But they didn't pull any, or they didn't ask uh, PUBG for permission to say, hey, we were inspired by. So I think they were kind of bitter that, you know, they didn't go to them first and say, hey, we're, we're launching this. We want to say that we were inspired by you. Kind of a heads up of we're going right, to say right. you were an inspiration that could have been more respectful than just putting something out and, and saying it. You know, it could just politics maybe help that's in there. Yeah, and I think kind of the, the concern is almost like we pay you royalties and you use that to be, to build a direct competitor to the game that we're paying you royalties on. Um, that's and then, true. And, the, and, then, and then you drop, you know, our name in your dev blog without permission. I mean, it's, I've got it up here. It says, uh, it was, yeah, we made a PvP mode for Fortnite. We love Battle Royale. Battle Royale games like PUBG and thought Fortnite would make a great foundation for our own version. I, I saw that. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Like, you should not have said that. But at the same time, it's almost like they're trying to be upfront and being like, yeah, we totally copied them. Like, it's not quite the same, but, you know, we're, we're not going to try to play coy and, and and pretend that it's it's not what it is. Um, the, the analogy I kind of drew, I was talking to Livy earlier, I said it'd be kind of like if you own a bakery and you're buying, like, a storefront from a landlord, and the landlord takes the money you're paying him and opens up a bakery next to your bakery and sells the same stuff or similar stuff to it, and you're like, guys, really? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I can imagine they'd feel kind of betrayed by Epic um, for, for pushing that out, um, particularly since of the name drop. It's kind of like, guys, really? So legally, I, I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but it, it, it it's kind of shaky. I think it's it would be difficult... Because Epic is an interesting place where they are producing a product which other companies use to make their games, and then Epic also makes their own games. So it's like, is Epic not allowed to ever make a game similar to something that another developer made using their engine? And that's it's unreasonable to say, no, you can't ever make a game that's like anything someone else made with Unreal 4. It's, it's, not, it's not feasible. They wouldn't be able to make games because some indie developer somewhere has had some idea that's similar to something Epic might make. I mean, you know, they've got uh, uh, Paragon, which is kind of their MOBA-style game. I'm sure there's a mobile out there that uses Unreal 4. Um, hell, I think Paladins does, actually. Um, similar deal. You know, you don't see the, the Paladins. I, I forget uh, who makes that game, but you don't see them going after um, Epic for this. Well, so, Paragon was first, I mean. but Well, this is the same deal, though. I mean, Paragon came... Uh, technically, PUBG came out with their Battle Royale on no, but I mean, before. I mean, Epic, Epic made Paragon before it, someone else would have made... I think they were. I think when Epic made Paragon, it was the first like oh, FPS style. Yeah. Okay. Regardless, you know, I, I think it's unreasonable to, to say you you aren't allowed to ever make a game similar to something that was made on Unreal Four. Um, the name drop could or could be a good or bad thing. I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't think anything's gonna actually come of this. I think Blue Hole just kind of wanted to say their bit and, and kind of be bitter about it. And I, I get it. it. It's it's a little. I don't want to say sleazy, but I could see it not feeling terribly good for Blue Hole because they're like, really, guys? Um, particularly since another bit of news here, uh, the Battle Royale game mode originally was only available if you currently were in the early access to Fortnite. Um, Fortnite is eventually going to be a free-to-play game, but currently it's $40 to get into the early access period, which gives you access to the PvE mode and the PvP mode. Well, a few days after that announcement was made, uh, Epic came out and said, actually, we're going to offer the Battle Royale PvP game mode free to everyone. So if you have not purchased into the early access of Fortnite, you can still play uh, the Battle Royale mode starting September 26th. That's in two days as of recording. So 
they can't they aren't even making money off of having access to this it's entirely free there's nothing you can buy there's no microtransaction it's just it's there and you can go give it a shot so kind of back to the PUBG thing PUBG is a paid game Fortnite Battle Royale is now free right now or within within 2 days for everybody so it's almost kind of like a, a Paladins Overwatch sort of deal where Overwatch is the paid version and Paladins is the free version um so it's it it's going to be interesting to see how the player numbers go. I'd, I'd love to get my hands on the data to see if PUBG sees a drop off in sales when this thing launches, or if it just keeps going strong, and also to see how many people actually pick up the the battle royale in Fortnite and give it a go. Because um, popular game mode right now, the battle royale thing is is is, is pretty popular, and and people are latching onto it. So having a free version out there is is going to appeal to a lot of people, particularly if they don't have the funds or if they're younger. Um, and aren't able to purchase PUBG, but would like to give this sort of game a shot. Well, the Fortnite Battle Royale is is going to be available to them. So I think it's gonna it's gonna probably bolster the market quite a bit. Time will tell. Yep. So yeah, that's that's available. Like I said, in two days um, for the Battle Royale. If you want to give it a shot, I, I do need to give it a try. I've been wound up in Destiny Two stuff lately, so I, I haven't given it a shot yet. Well, but, you uh, could be. Yeah, no, we'll we'll get to that in a bit, but uh, yeah, so we'll we'll get links up if you want to read the statements yourself and kind of get your thoughts on it. Uh, be kind of good to to see what people think because, like I said, it's it's kind of a weird, uncomfortable situation. But uh, I'll I'll be curious to see if anything becomes of it or if this is going to kind of die off and that'll be the end of it. Okay, quick reminder before we go into Destiny 2 stuff, uh, E-Valkyrie Warzone, that's the update to E-Valkyrie, which removes the requirement for VR and kind of overhauls some of the systems. Um, that is coming out also on September 26th, so in a couple days here. Um, I'm probably going to pick up a copy. Uh, me and my brother will probably do some gameplay recordings and commentary on it. Uh, I've, I've had very little experience with E-Valkyrie, just you know, tech demos at various game shows and stuff like that. But it'll be good to get my hands on the Warzone version of it, and we'll, we'll kind of give our thoughts on that uh, next week. So that's available in two days, and it'll probably be out uh, when you guys listen to the show. All right, so Destiny 2. Uh, been kind of poking around on that some more. Um, I've kind of fully entrenched myself in the end game, and I think Jay is kind of getting there as well. Uh, but there is an event coming this coming week, uh, starting some, again September 26th. It's going to be a, a big Tuesday. Um, and this is the Faction Rally event. So if you're familiar with Destiny 1, uh, the factions were kind of a, a big part of the gameplay. You had the New Monarchy, the Dead Orbit, and the Future War Cult. Um, and they were kind of absent from... Uh, Destiny 2, and it kind of made sense given the nature of what happened in the story that they weren't just going to be around throughout the campaign, so I kind of get why they were missing. Uh, they are returning, however, this week in the Faction Rally event. So, kind of an interesting mechanic. They changed it up a bit from what it was before. Basically, you can pledge your allegiance to one of the three factions, and just simply playing the game strikes, raids, PvP, uh, patrols, whatever. Just doing your normal stuff will grant you faction tokens, which um, correspond to which faction you're aligned to. And you can turn those tokens in for faction-specific gear, you know, helmets, all that sort of thing, um, weapons, all kinds of good stuff, shaders. So, you know, if you've got, like, a particular aesthetic you like, um, you can, you know, go for that faction and get the faction gear. However, at the end of the week, they're going to tally up basically which faction got the most faction tokens produced. So whatever of the three teams got the most stuff done is the winner. And at that point, they figure out, okay, who won? And each faction has a powerful weapon that is going to be available if that faction wins. 
So, for example, if Dead Orbit gets the most tokens turned in at the end of the week, there's a Scout Rifle. Uh, Future War Cult has a Pulse Rifle, and New Monarchy has a, a Suro Sidearm. That's kind of one of the full auto sidearms are pretty cool. Um, if you are part of that faction and your faction wins, you can purchase that item at the end of the week for 1,000 Glimmer. But let's say you sided with Dead Orbit and Future War Cult won instead. You can still buy the Future War Cult weapon, but it's going to cost you 50,000 Glimmer. So it's a lot more expensive if you're not on the winning team, but you're also not locked out of, you know, what 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 whatever weapon is is sold so you know don't stress if you don't win you can still get the weapon um it's just going to cost you a bit more but you know kind of my 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 thought on that is that i'm going to pick the faction that has the weapon that i want so if i like pulse rifles i'm gonna you know sign up for uh for a future war curl to get that pulse rifle to drop or try to help it drop so um you know, play it how you will, depending on what's important to you. But at the end of the week, you will have the option to at least buy this special weapon. Uh, it just may or may not be more expensive for you. That should be pretty interesting. Uh, that was actually a question you get a lot when uh, when Destiny, uh, when it pops up, you start doing a, a lot of social space exploring and things like that. And, you know, that was kind of one of the key ways that you could you could get gear and do some things in the first D1. And, and there was actually some, you actually had to kind of think what you wanted out of the faction because it was a bit of a pain in the ass if you wanted to swap factions you could uh but you, generally people would play through to get whatever they want whatever set of gear they wanted or, or weapon systems that they wanted and um and then they would swap over but that, that was actually a fair amount of uh of the activity that was part of d1 and a lot of your patrols and such would come you know a lot of your sort of cyclic activities you did in destiny one was related to your factions and their their spaces are actually dotted throughout both the farm and and the tower which is kind of interesting because like i remember when I, I spent a long time exploring the tower social space is, is quite large by the way like very very large um the farm is bigger than you think when you start really like trying to figure out where the the boundaries are and uh you can find a lot of neat little easter eggs you start looking around there's there's pre-built spaces for them sort of already in some of these areas so like i remember going into the farm you walk around and you can find um like there there's like a series of weapons racks and like some soldiers you know or some guards hanging out in kind of classic dead orbit uh colors you know like the grays gray and blacks uh and some of the uh dead orbit uh iconography on their crates and and some of their stuff it looks like they're just like hanging around by the docks waiting for a ship to come in or something like that so that's probably a spot where there's going to be a dead orbit merchant or something like that and up in the tower and again which is easily i suspect about four times bigger than what the tower was in destiny one which also leads me to believe that there's a lot of things that they could end up doing with the tower as as d2 keeps going uh some of their spaces are already laid out like in the bazaar that's where the new monarchies uh sort of kiosk is the bazaar is like their their turf the in the hangar there's uh one half of the hangar it's on the i think the opposite side of Cade. Uh, opposite end of the hangar than Cade, it's, it's another dead orbit place. And then, like the future war cult has like a looks very Star Trek: The New Generation style kind of Arctic arch, architectural vibe to it. It's like a a large, large big office that overlooks the hangar. Uh, so there's there's a lot of stuff already baked into the game that I'm I'm sure that they are hitting these marks, you know, these scripted marks on what they're rolling out. Um, I'm I'm pretty 
I'm pretty interested in seeing it, you know, just to, just to have that. That's another thing to do in the game. Uh, it gives you some different uh, visual options on what you want in terms of your own character. Um, the, the weapons will probably be, you know, they will, be, they will be nice, but they will ultimately be, you know, sought probably varying degrees of goodness in terms of legendary weapons. Uh, but it gives you some things that, that you can work on. And it probably has a fair amount of like flavor and story text and stuff that goes back and forth, uh, which they've done a good job in the game updating those. So I, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, and if you start reading through the lore, the little lore tabs, by the way, it goes into a lot more detail about some of these things. You learn a little bit more about the different factions and how they interact with each other. And you actually, there's actually a series of uh, the lore cards that talk about the, the actual guardian factions of how they interact with each other, which is a different spin. It's kind of neat too. Um, much like you, you can get a, go to your own Vanguard member, which, whichever, you know, like uh, class you're playing, that's sort of your patron, if you will. Uh, you, you kind of have these tiered systems that work uh, throughout the game to, to provide you with different styles of gear and content and stuff like that. So I, I'm interested in it. I'm, I'm kind of curious, is it going to be, they're going to be there all the time and then they just, or it's almost like Iron Banner where they bring the factions back for like a week, like once a month and you can pick, you know, Hey, I was dead orbit last, last month. Uh, this month, I really want that new, um, the new monarchy, you know, shotgun or whatever. And so everybody piles onto that one. So I'm kind of curious to see what the, the tempo is going to be with this. Yeah. The vibe I got was that it's going to be, it's, it's like you said, like iron banner, where it's like a week long event and then it'll, it'll probably disappear for a while. I, I get the feeling they're trying to kind of add more of these temporary events, keep people engaged. Um, Whereas before you'd have Iron Banner, it would pop up like once a month, uh, but you'd have kind of a three-week hiatus in between. It was kind of a kind of a drag, and I think they're trying to fire these things off a week-long event, but fire different ones off periodically on a much more frequent pace, just to kind of keep people more interested and and give things to do. Because honestly, I think the end game is is a little bit weaker in Destiny Two than it was in Destiny One, a bit less content. Um, so having events to to play around with will, will definitely help in trying to keep things feeling at least a little bit more fresh than, than just grinding through the same stuff over do, and over again. Do you again. think the end game is, is weaker than the first release of Destiny 1, or are you talking about like Taken King and beyond? It It is weaker than Vanilla Destiny. I think it is... Sorry, mm. it, is, it, is, okay. it, is, it is... Sorry, it is stronger than Vanilla Destiny. It's weaker than the Taken King. I think the Taken King and all of that encompassing together was was good that felt like a complete game destiny 2 is not as good as that i wish it would have been um but it's not as good as that it is better than vanilla one destiny but that was a mess and fun yeah. whatever so yeah it, it missed the mark i think in trying to live up to what i felt was the first complete destiny um you know it, it may be unreasonable to expect the sequel to have the same amount of content as the first game with with dlc but the first game was so half done that the dlc made it feel like it was complete i wish they would have kind of hit that mark with destiny 2 vanilla and gone beyond um but you know that is what it is at least it's better than the original vanilla destiny but not quite as good as i had hoped okay yeah no that's fair i mean i i think it'll be pretty uh i I think it's gonna be pretty pretty solid uh in terms of how they're doing the faction pieces but i agree with you it seems like they're setting up where they can do you know, probably have like two, maybe three, or probably about three plus or minus uh, faction, or not faction, but uh, like cyclic events. So it's like, you know, hey, it's Iron Banner week. It's it's uh, faction week. It's this, you know, it's one of those things where they kind of have a kind of a rotating playlist, so to speak. Yep. 
And in a game that, that really heavily depends on uh, cyclic replayability, I think that's pretty clutch. Uh, I think that's a good thing, uh, in, in all honesty. So I, that that would be pretty cool. And, and the way they've set the game up, in all on, in all fairness, I think they could really uh, down the road. I could see you know you, you could see that they've built Destiny Two with larger uh, DLCs in mind in terms of just how they've oriented the space and what's there and how they've set the game up. So I think maybe that was a lesson that they learned in D1, which I, I think you know what they released in D1 was no nowhere what they what a lot of the people probably internal to the to the group wanted to release. It was good enough and they had to get it out because, you know, fuck they had Paul McCartney singing about it. They had to get it out. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you had that one, but I, I bet you that uh, they knew when Destiny 1 shipped that there was going to be massive DLC updates that needed to go along to, to get the game closer to what they wanted it to be. D2 was is built on a good foundation. And I think that's literally all it is, is this is a foundational piece that is now hooking people back into the franchise. And then I, I don't know when the next, when the first DLC is scheduled to drop, but I, I suspect there's going to be pretty, uh, some pretty heavy ads to it. Uh, so to speak. And they've already got, like I said, I think they're already scripting out the rollouts. Like we already know Iron Banner's coming back. Uh, they've, they mentioned Osiris several times, but it, there's no trials of Osiris, but you got trials of the nine. So you can already see that there's, there's going to be these sort of scripted rollouts that they probably already have in the can or they're polishing faction. The, the faction events, probably another good example of that. Uh, and so instead of dropping it all at one time, they're basically metering it out a little bit, uh, which I think is pretty smart on their part. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much stuff um, they will add that's included as like an event or a, a mini expansion or something like that, yeah. as opposed to, you know, season pass DLC. Like Osiris um, is the main theme of the first expansion. Uh, I think it's coming out in like two and a half months, something like that. Um, so pretty close to release three months after release, I think, was the plan. And I think that adds like Mercury as a new planet. So it's it's kind of feeling like what the Dreadnought did for Taking King. It's a whole new explorable space, that sort of thing. Cool. Um, that's a fairly decent model to add a new area with your with your DLC expansion. Um, but yeah, I, I do hope they do more with adding fresh, different kind of content. Like Iron Banner's great. I like Iron Banner. They got cool gear that drops. That's fun. Um, I wasn't a fan of Sparrow Racing League, but I don't like racing games, so don't take that as a bad thing, but I think it's good that they added something that was clearly different from the core loop. Um, it was something that felt uniquely different, um, and that was a free update. That kind of stuff, that's good. Stuff that's... that's. I'm not saying it's going to be non-combat, but adding stuff that's not just go do the same strike you've always been doing, but with a different twist on it. Um, that would be really good to see. And I do hope they kind of expand on that more um, in, in kind of roll that stuff out in pieces. Cause destiny two feels like an MVP minimal viable product where it's like, it's, it's enough. It's good enough to ship. Um, people will buy it. They will feel like they got their money's worth out of it, but it may not be to the caliber or the vision that the developers, the players wanted. I do hope that free updates events, that sort of thing do kind of push that, closer to that mark of where they want it to be and then they expand upon the experience in larger ways with with the actual paid dlc expansion yeah no i think that's a that's a pretty good analysis i mean I, in in terms of that like i do think D destiny 2 is trying some different things out i i actually was a fan of sparrow racing league i'm not a huge racing game fan but that you know racing games by their nature they, they're not overly complex you know like you'd have to get into something like forza where you're like, you need to go out and buy like a steering wheel and shit to be competitive. The, uh, 
but generally it, it, it was it was actually kind of fun it was like a, a fun racing game and the fact that it you could get gear and, and a variety of other things like that was it was kind of cool um and it's just another thing to do in the game world which which i thought was was a smart idea on their part i do like the fact that they're that they've been trying some different things out uh so just you know i would like to see them bring back srl i bet you they are because it's also it's referenced uh in some of the the uh the walk around interactions you can have or in some of the lore tabs stuff like that like it's referenced quite a few times so it would not surprise me at all if they bring back srl and at the end of the day it's one of those where if you want to if you want to go do it fine and you can have some benefit out of it. get some things out of the eververse store you can you can spend some time you know chasing after uh you know racing suit sets or sparrow bikes or whatever if you don't want to play it it's it causes you absolutely nothing there's you could literally imagine that it doesn't exist and it would it would not detract from your gameplay uh so from that aspect not a bad idea the other things that they've been messing around with if you think about it they've they've kind of baked in some in, some neat stuff the different social spaces they have between the farm and the tower and then uh, i guess if you and when you do the trials of the nine i think you get access to a, a third social space aspire yeah yeah that that's kind of interesting that's that that's a lot of open area that in any one time you like i don't know how many people i would see you know like in my one instance of that or whatever but there's a lot to work with there you could do a lot with, with all of that um, and I suspect they'll end up adding the reef at some point that that'll be probably a, a DLC at some point. Um, so there's a lot of th things that you can do in the, in those social spaces. And with that, I think the clan support that they've got baked in is, is pretty solid. It's actually, it incentivizes a lot of positive things, not the least of which is the guided games concept. Well, so me and Dante, uh, we, I tried, we tried that with a guy this afternoon that went swimmingly. That was really, that was a neat experience on, guy comes in he's like yeah hey man i'm just really appreciate i really appreciate somebody just like taking me through the nightfall or something like that it was it was pretty cool and they they also positively incentivize people not being you know douchebags basically uh, so i think they're trying some things by the way i, I gotta ask you know, uh, kind of in this vein i really enjoyed the like the tank the tank battle did you get did you like that pokey in the campaign yeah yeah, that was that was kind of a fun uh, a fun little mini game. I know that wasn't for everyone, but it was kind of, I mean, the the dialogue aside, which was hilarious. Um, but the, the the gameplay itself was actually pretty cool. I like to see some more. We'll call them mini games like Sparrow Racing League, but have some sort of like tank battle thing where you're fighting dudes in tanks. I'd be all for that. World of Tanks and Destiny. Yes, that'd be the bomb. Yes. I play the <laughs> shit out of that. You know, that'd did, be great. Did they have only one style of like? I thought at some other point you. There was a different type of tank. It was two types. There was a bigger one. There was like a little, you know, mini support, you know, little sides that you got. That that's right, because I think more than one person can get in it. Oh, I that didn't. I didn't get the double. Vaguely the double familiar. I, I'm pretty sure that there was. It, it certainly felt like the big tank. You could have like a fire team get in it and do different things. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> that'd be really but, cool. Like. I, yeah, I, I think I think that would be a pretty bomber. You know, where you could you could you know, have have uh, you know more engagement with things like that. I thought that was really cool. Um, just trying new things. I think that's a, I think that's a positive for the game. They're not simply re retreading everything they did in the first game. They've you know they, they've kept the things that work, aka the gunplay, 
and a lot of the world building around it. But now they're, I think they're conservatively trying some different things, which, you know, that's, that's a good, I think that's overall, that's a win. I know this would probably anger Pokey, but uh, a game mode where you build up so many points as a team and it generates a tank. I think that would probably be How'd they get a tank already? <laughs> what the hell? No, I've played some games like that. No, I, I didn't care for vehicle combat and being crucible in D1, and I was kind of happy when they took a lot of that out. But uh, like a pure a pure tank combat game would be would be pretty cool. In, in like you're kind of getting at Jay, um, if you've got the it's already in the game, you've already got the vehicle in there. You've got the system for climbing in the vehicle and aiming and all that. Build it a map and stick like four fire teams on there that are having this, you know, old school tank battle. That'd be pretty fun and probably not too expensive to to develop. I mean, you're not talking massively building new systems. It's more of a kind of rehashing the the, the sort of little things we gave you a taste of in the game. Like sparrows became sparrow racing. The tank mission became you know tank battle. It's it's much more feasible, I think, as sort of a free update, as long as the main game is, is feels solid. And I think in D one they were they were kind of scrambling to make up for the shortcomings. This one I'm like, okay, you're you're good enough. You know, I, I didn't hate the game at the end of, of the initial release, so I'm fine with them playing around and experimenting and trying different things. And I think that would be, like you said, definitely nothing but a good thing for the the experience. Yeah, no, I I, I tend to agree with you on that one. The uh... It, it should be uh should be pretty. I I, I think I'm I'm optimistic in terms of like where where Bungie's heading with it. I, I was a fan of Destiny One, but you you can in any kind of game like this, it's really easy to to rush through. You get through the story mode, then you kind of like mess around for a little while, then you're like, and then what? So there's this is definitely one of these games where it it feeds on like a continual sort of you know faucet of you got to have something going on in the game. You gotta have a reason to make people keep playing it. Uh, so I, I think they've definitely figured that cadence out, or they understand that from D one. So what they do in D two should be informed by that, I, I suspect. Uh, and by all accounts, the games, you know, game gets really great reviews generally by everybody. Uh, I'm sure you know Bungie's wallet has something to do with that. And then two, it, I mean, it's legitimately a good game, but they. You're gonna have you have a huge player base probably already. Like I don't know what their sales are, but it's probably pretty thick right now, and it's going to continue to be. Uh, so I think they're they realize that they need to that they're going to apply some uh, some progressive pieces to the game to keep it fresh. So I don't know. Looking forward to it. I like the fact they're just trying a few new things here and there, and hopefully they they build up a little bit more to the potential that they're that they've laid down in terms of the foundation in D2. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, the game is far from perfect, but it's definitely to a point where it feels good. It feels like a good foundation. I, I would like to see where they continue to go with this because they're they're clearly learning their lesson over the years. Um, I mean, Taken King was obviously definitely them learning their lesson. This is what people actually expect from DLC. And then Destiny 2 is just kind of a further expansion upon that. So if they keep going, it's going to turn out to be pretty good in the end, I think. Um, I think we've hit kind of that feeling pretty good mode and i hope that once they get this dlc out and then i assume destiny 3 will happen probably in you know two three four years that'll probably actually be pretty pretty damn good because they, they do seem to be kind of figuring it out and trying things out so i'm looking forward to seeing where they take it um and uh yeah I'm, I'm, i hope that they have some cool stuff on the horizon here all right so moving along here from destiny 2 uh 
One that I'm actually quite excited about, uh, Resident Evil 7 has a free story DLC coming out uh, called Not a Hero. Uh, I'm not going to spoil what it's about because it is definitely spoilers for the game, but uh, it's been pushed back several times, but we do finally have a release date of December 12th, uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. New trailer is out, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely have a recording that. Me and Libby did the, our first Dungeon Crawl series was on Resident Evil 7, and we did all the DLC, and we are eagerly waiting this one so we can do some recording and uh, you know get that one up. So December 12th, we'll be sure to pick that free DLC up and give it a shot. Yeah, also looks so like... Oops, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Libby. But they did something... Well, yeah, I mean, after after be going through Resident Evil 6, he got messed up. Like, he looks really weird. I don't know what the hell they did. I, I have my, not necessarily theories, but concerns about story implications of all of that and, and the way they talk to him. It, it seems a little weird, but we'll we'll probably cover that specifically when we do our breakdown of the actual game when we give it a shot. But I, I am curious to see how they take it and and hopefully when they do this dlc with chris redfield it doesn't turn into just another hey you're a super soldier go mow everything down now um because i really liked how vulnerable i felt in the original game um, because you're literally just a guy you know just gets thrown into a really shitty situation and has to get out of it um but going in into the same game with a character who is obviously a seasoned veteran and dealing with these kinds of creatures i hope it doesn't just turn into an action movie like God help us, Resident Evil 6 was. So, you know, uh, let's hope they don't screw it up, and I hope it, it does deliver on kind of the, the good stuff that, that came with Resident Evil 7, because it was a very good experience, and it brought me back to the series, and I don't want this to, to sour my mouth in the last second. Good choice. <laughs> hey, uh, Pokey. I, yeah. I, just on a side note, I have, I have seen somebody whose spreadsheet foo is good. And I have sent you a copy. Whoa! Speaking this of destiny, colorful. <laughs> no, no. Look at the tabs and start playing with them. So, oh, there's for, tabs. So, so for everybody uh, who, who, so Pokey number one is is an incredibly intelligent guy. The way we talk on the show, notwithstanding, Oof. and his his ability to break down a game to its molecular components, um, either technically or actually the gameplay piece, and then turn it into a spreadsheet is of legend. Uh, so <laughs> I have found, I have found somebody whose spreadsheet foo is really, really good. And they did a breakdown of all of destiny twos, uh, you know, all of its, uh, uh, gear, uh, weapons, everything time to kill. I mean, the stats are amazing. So Pokey, you I, have a rival, this dude, <laughs> I don't know who Pokey is, but he's on Pokey's. He's, he's going to be on Pokey's death note here pretty soon. <laughs> um, this is this is impressive. It's funny because I'm looking at this, and he's actually color coded. Um, he's basically broken every gun down into each of its stat components and assigned it like a color value from like dark red to, to, to bright blue and how good it is. And like the gun I use in PvP is like covered in red, <laughs> like it does not look good on paper. Um, no, this is this is good stuff. Well, that's I funny. I think this. that's the same spreadsheet that I've been looking at. Yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting if it is. You have to show it to me. Yeah, that's funny. I think I'm using the uh, adjudicator, the the high, the uh, rare version, not the legendary version. But it's like, yeah, it looks really terrible on paper, but it does well enough in in, in practice. But uh, anyways, this is this is good stuff. We'll have to get this in the show notes for all of the. Uh, the spreadsheet nerds out there who want to take a look at it and see what kind of guns in destiny two you might want to kind of be going for. Cause they are, uh, they are pretty, this is comprehensive. This guy did a good job. I'm, I'm quite impressed. 
Well, he did even like uh, time to kill breakdowns between different guns and stuff like that. That's really cool. So yeah, we'll include that in the show notes there. Okay, two more things here real quick. Uh, Final Fantasy XV's multiplayer. Um, I reviewed the, the beta uh, a few weeks back. It is finally getting a release date of October 31st. Uh, that will require the season pass uh, if you want to play it. I don't know if you can purchase it separately or not. I'll have to look into that. But uh, as of what I can tell right now, you'll need the season pass to play. And it, of course, requires PlayStation Plus or Xbox Gold because it's an online multiplayer component. So you'll need to have that. And uh, the PC version is going to be released early 2018, the PC version of the game itself. It's not out yet, but I imagine it will also have uh, access to the multiplayer at some point. And then Zell has a random side note here that apparently the original EverQuest, which is very, very old MMO, one of the first. Old school. Like super old school, is getting its 24th expansion. What? It's still going that, and being seriously? expanded. Yeah, yeah. I, Dude, I, I, thought, I remember playing that when I was like, God, at least 18 or 19 years ago. You could get new content for it, like, right right now. That's bananas. That is, that is absolutely bananas. I mean, bananas. now, when I say new content, it still looks like it's from the 90s. But the numbers and the labels and the art is technically new. Mar- March sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine, was when EverQuest three D was first was first released. Wow! And I was impressed that Final Fantasy eleven lasts as long as it did. It's got nothing on this. That's insane. Good on them though. I mean, shit. If they're pushing out expansions, it means there's enough people playing it to actually merit it going. I think uh, shit. RuneScape is still going too. That had a recent expansion. I remember playing that when I was like in elementary school. So. Oof, that's crazy, man. RuneScape is still a thing? What the fuck? Hey! A random Florida man appears. We're almost done. We're yeah. Almost done. You're super late. Oh, god damn it. What's up? He's on his phone again. He's on his phone. <laughs> are, are you in turn lane? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm driving right now. Are you using your blinker? <laughs> and he's crashed into something as he's trying to talk in the stupid podcast. All right, well, that's bait, guys. Um... He's super late, like really super late, but uh, welcome to the show, Bait. Please don't die. All right. So that, I think that's actually all we had, unless Bait has some random random thing he wants to talk about before we, we go into shout outs here. Oh, shit, dude. Am I really that late? You're, we're, we're over an hour in, man. Fuck. Um, nah, not really. Okay. Um, Bait will, will give his review of Oxen Free next week, unless you want to do it while you're driving. Um... You probably shouldn't do it while you're driving. Well, I mean, no, it's fine. I can talk and, and look at the road. Okay, so basically, Oxen Free, I think I've just gotten to the point where the game kind of opens up. The story so far is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I am 100% uh, intrigued now. Um, uh, the I think Pokey said it last week. Or two weeks ago or whatever, you said something to the effects of you. It might have even been in Discord, though, but it was like, you were like, dude, yeah, that's a that's a story game. And yeah, that it, that's that's right. This is a very story-driven game, which, I mean, I'm not complaining about. Uh, it is nice to kind of move away from something where I'm constantly having to look at a bar or, or whatever and just, like, use the thumbstick to, to move around. That's basically all you're doing. Um... So, I mean, yeah, if you can't pick a box and free, uh, the dialogue is pretty great. Um, the premise of it so far that I can tell is uh, you start off a bunch of high school kids 
uh, you get onto this island to like fucking party or whatever you do what high schoolers do. Uh, and then you get in this cave and you're like, oh, there, there's some fucking freaky going on with the cave. Uh, you know, it's the island's haunted or is it not haunted, this, that, and the other. So I, so far what I can tell is you're, you're trying to figure out like, okay, what's going on with the island? Uh, which, like I said before, is pretty intriguing. So definitely go pick that one up. Yeah, the game has an interesting... I haven't personally played much of it, but I've, I've seen quite a bit about it because they talk about it on, on a lot of uh, game shows. About It's an interesting mechanic where, like Bates said, it's, it's very story-driven, um, a lot of dialogue, but what they've done is that you're kind of presented with uh, dialogue options similar to, like, Mass Effect, right? But the time in the which time. you have to um, execute the dialogue is is really limited. So you you someone may be talking, and you can actually interrupt them um, at any point while they're talking and say something related to what they're talking about. But if you wait too long, and it doesn't make sense that you'd even say that anymore because the subject has changed, you lose that option. So you kind of have to think quickly about what's important and what you want to say. You don't get to just sit and stare at a bar slowly creeping down before you, you know, you're forced to make a decision. Um, and then the character that you, you've interrupted will actually kind of seamlessly go back and say, like, oh, well, anyways, and finish their thoughts. So you actually get some really good, um, some really good, like, natural feeling conversations. Like, people actually talk where they kind of slightly interrupt each other. They'll, they'll kind of cut each other off rather than typical video game dialogue where it's I say something, pause, you say something, pause. And it, it overall, it feels really good um, just from watching it, like a YouTube video. It, it's a really good watch just to, to kind of see the dialogue play out and the choices people make. Um, it's one that I've, I've wanted to give a shot. I just haven't gotten around to it. And I was a little jealous that they got to try it out for free on Xbox. But uh, yeah, it, it, it looks very interesting. And I, I do suggest, as, as someone who hasn't played it but would like to, I would go check it out, particularly if, if Bait, who actually has given it a shot, does like it. It seems like it's a pretty solid uh, story-driven game with some interesting um, dialogue mechanics. Yeah, that dialogue mechanic is actually really cool. And at first, I didn't... Uh... When you told me that in Discord that you could like interrupt people, I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds kind of weird, and I don't know if it'll work, but it it totally works. Um, it, it really does come across as uh, as like an actual conversation, and you know, which you know, going back and forth with uh, your friends or your coworkers or your peers or whatever, you know, you kind of do sometimes cut them off or interrupt them. And that totally uh, it, it works in this game, which is which is really cool. Uh, and then as Pokey was saying just now, you really don't have a lot of time. I think you've got like I haven't really timed it, but if I had to guess, you've got like three seconds or two seconds or whatever to like quickly pick uh, what you want to say, and uh, and you know you have that limited time to think. Okay, is this going to play into the story well, or or does this make sense, or whatever? I mean, silence is an option. Um, uh, the mechanic kind of reminds me of the Walking Dead games. Uh, so, I mean, silence is an option, but not recommended, um, if that makes sense. No, that's pretty solid, man. And like, like I said, I do appreciate the review. I kind of wanted to get someone's hands-on hands -on thoughts with it, because I've seen a lot about it. Um, I've watched a fair bit of it, but, uh, you know, it's, it looks really cool. So, at some point, I'll get around to purchasing it on PC and give it a shot. But uh, if you do have Xbox Gold, you can pick that one up for free uh, during this month. So, do hop on it and add it to your library at the very least to give it a shot later. Yep, yep, definitely. And I will actually continue to play this game uh, uh, until the end. Um, I think I'm maybe a third of the way through, fourth of the way through. 
uh, just based on on my my best estimate. So I will uh, I, I will give a, a more comprehensive review, I suppose, uh, when I do finish the game in uh, two weeks, maybe a week. So we'll see. Cool. Sounds good, man. All right. Anything else, guys, before we bring this one in for a close? Am I the only one who's seen it, or are the rest of you nerds going to go see it? I am not going to see it. I have no I... intention of seeing it. Yeah, no. Uh, you guys really should go watch that movie. It's not as scary as I thought it was going to be. I really liked it. Um, th- there were parts of it that were like really freaky, but well, not freaky. I don't know, it kind of messed with you a little bit, uh, I-, I guess is a better way of saying it. Um, but it wasn't like as jump scary as I as I figured it was going to be. At least I didn't think so, and I'm kind of sensitive to that shit. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine who who had read the book, and he's like, "Yeah, about the first half of it is pretty like in line with the book as far as setting up the plot, uh, and then the like last half of it was just they kind of they kind of went off. Um, which I mean, it didn't really bother me. Uh, the story." It it, it kind of worked, I think, right there at the end. Like, I could see it, but it wasn't any stellar writing, I didn't think. It's certainly the best Stephen King movie adaptation uh, that we've had. Um, but, no, it it was really good. So, go watch it if that's your thing. Uh, if not, you can just, like, bask in the goodness that its Rotten Tomato score is. All right. That sounds fantastic, man. All right, guys. Let's do some shout-outs. Zell, buddy, you're I'm up. Give, I'm gonna just, I didn't want to bring it up as, like, a topic again, but I'm gonna give my shout-out to uh, the Orville continuing to actually get better, I would say, over the three episodes I saw. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it sounds like kind of you, you brought it up a bit in uh, in Skype, and that it, it's actually shied away from the overly comedic and actually trying to be pretty serious, so that's that's good. I, I'm actually kind of curious in your final thoughts once the, the show is over, if uh, a full review and, and what your thoughts are with him making a, a more serious flick, so... It'll be good to hear. All right, Bate, got any shout-outs, man? Uh, yeah, I want to I give a shout-out to um, uh, Eve Corporation Incorruptibles. We killed a couple of uh, Citadels, which are the little stations that uh, that people can build. Um, so we had uh, had good fun with that, got good loot, so that was always, uh, always a good thing to do, uh, playing fucking video games with your friends. So uh, shout-out to playing video games with your friends. Sounds good, man. All right, Jay, you're up. Uh, yeah, I will give a quick shout out to Mercules. That is the name of the Reddit user that actually produced the, uh, the spreadsheet. We were just, uh, put, you know, throwing jabs about here just a little while ago. A great example, by the way, like that was not a pre-planned activity. I was literally like, you know, getting my Google on while we were talking and I bumped into this thing. And, uh, it's a great example of, uh, kind of how game communities work. Uh, this is a guy who's clearly invested some time into this game or, or into into this product or, or sort of you know, game as a service, depending on how you want to call it. And he's actually guaranteed without a single dime, probably turned around and made a really neat product that a lot of people can do. And he's actually kind of, you know, the more I kind of look, he's turned it into a bit of a, you know, kind of a cottage hobby where he does, looks like he's got a podcast. He's got a variety of different things he does online. He's got a uh, looks like a Patreon page where he does different things, uh, probably to help fund his podcast. So this is the kind of thing that, uh, and, and we're a small example of this too. When I would, I hate to sound like the old guy, but like shout out to all these guys, like every every guy and gal that's out there that 
the interwebs have basically connected out there through things like ga- through these games. It's it's a pretty cool little deal, you know. Uh, for every you know internet troll or game troll or you know PewDiePie that you are out there, there'll be some faceless dude like this that's actually probably trying to put out some good stuff, you know, because he enjoys it. It's a good hobby. Uh, so shout out to everybody out there that does little things like this for the folks in gaming communities. Uh, it's actually what makes them a community, whether or not you ever physically lay eyes on on the people that you play with and talk to. It is uh, it's sometimes mildly relevant. It's just having that connection with others and knowing that maybe you provided something that they that they enjoy or helped them. So hats off to all those folks. Yeah, absolutely. There's some some real real heroes out there that that probably don't get as much credit as they deserve. And and like Jay said, this this spreadsheet's pretty pretty badass, and he must have put a ton of work into it. So you know, it's always good to kind of give give props where people don't usually get the credit they deserve for it. So good stuff, man. All right, Livy, you got a shout out? Um, well, my shout out uh, good. It could be a little corny, but I do want to thank you guys for having me tonight. I had a good time. It made my night. I also want to thank whoever started coining Vanilla Destiny because uh, it makes me feel like I'm playing the kinky bird now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry it had to be said. <laughs> I'm like, is Lord Shax the head? I'm just going to stop there. But no, thank you for having me. I had a good time and um, you guys have a good time. All right. Well, we are always happy to have you. And I, I know you've got kid aggro sometimes, but uh, when you're available, you're more than welcome to come on the show. Uh, my shout out is going to actually go to a guy on YouTube named Skillup. Uh, he's, uh, he's done a lot of, if you're familiar with The Division or uh, Destiny or uh, recently Warframe, he's a pretty big name on, on YouTube, so you, you may have heard of him. But uh, he does some really good stuff. Um, he actually put out, and this guy is, I will say this not in a condescending way, but he is a fanboy when it comes to Destiny. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think he just really, really loves the franchise. And he put out a really good review of Destiny 2. And I actually kind of probably stole a few lines from his review because it actually is really well done. Um, And he kind of breaks down all of the problems he has with the game. And he basically says, I'm not going to sit and um, praise them for what they did right because that doesn't help them improve necessarily. They've got enough of that from everyone else, and so he really brought us some extremely good points uh, about where he thinks the game, where he thinks the game can be improved, and that sort of thing. And I just felt it was a really well done review. It was like an hour long, um, really well done. I do suggest you go take a look at it, uh, regardless of what you think, because the guy does deserve um, recognition for what he does, because it was very, very well done content. I enjoyed listening to it earlier this week. So that is my uh, that is my shout out for this week. But uh, as usual, guys. Um, well, I really thank you for tuning in. Um, we, we do enjoy doing this and, and your comments and your likes and your downloads and everything is always a really great encouragement for us. And, and I do always love seeing a mention of the biomass podcast, uh, when I'm, when I'm floating around the internet. So I, I do appreciate everyone out there. Uh, if you have any topics you want us to cover, want to be on the show, all the information to contact us is available on biomass.net or biomass.com. You can also hit usually meet your bait up uh, in the biomass channel on the dust 514 veteran server. We're in there quite a bit, the discord server that is, um, and just let us know. But, uh, Again, everyone, please have a great night uh, and be safe out there.